0: And welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA here on Anchor FM, also on Spotify and uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, we want to uh, thank you for tuning in to Sunshine USA. As you know, this is a, a radio broadcast uh, known for teaching the Bible and preaching the gospel. And I'm your Bible teacher and host, Warren Landis. And uh, I'm really glad to be with you <laughs> on this another broadcast. And uh, many of you know this is the beginning of a very special week as we think about Holy Week. We think about the last week of Jesus on this earth prior to the crucifixion and resurrection. And uh, today we're going to be talking in particular about the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem on a donkey. (laughs) And uh, this is going to be... Very exciting, because as Christians today, we know where this ends up. But I know that for Jesus at this time, when he was on the back of that donkey headed into Jerusalem, it had to be a very scary time and way for him, bearing in mind Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. And the human part of Jesus had to be terrified at the thought Of dying on the cross. I mean bearing in mind. When Jesus was nailed on that cross. That experience was just as painful for him. As it would be if you and I were nailed on a cross. It hurt immensely. And yet Jesus was willing to do all this. Because he knew it was the only way. That our sins could be covered for good. You see, in the Old Testament, they had all those offerings and sacrifices and rituals. But you see, for Old Testament believers, every year they had to do it all over again. Because it was but a covering for their sin. It was not the ultimate final solution. But you see, when Jesus died on that cross, he became the supreme once-for-all sacrifice For my sins and your sins and the sins of everybody in all the world. And Jesus knew that he had to do what he had to do for us. You know, there's a song that's real popular this time of the year. It says something like this. You know, he could have called 10,000 angels. And that's true. He could have called 10,000 angels. But you know what? If Jesus had done that, he couldn't have... Died on the cross for our sins. He couldn't have shed his blood for our sins. I want us to take a look at Matthew chapter 21, starting the first one. And when they drew nigh to Jerusalem, now bearing in mind, I think it's fair to say at this point, the disciples were not terribly excited about Jesus coming to Jerusalem. They knew that. Jesus would probably ultimately not be well received in Jerusalem. And I think they had an inkling of the fact that things would not go well for Jesus in Jerusalem. But nonetheless, Jesus and his disciples, they are nearing Jerusalem. And when they were come to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples saying unto them, Go to the village over against you, and straightway you will find an ass and a colt with her. Loose them, and bring them unto me. And if any man ought unto you, you shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. (laughs) Now, Jesus sends his disciples to another town to go get a donkey. And he says, if anybody says anything, then all you have to do is simply say, the Lord has need of him. Now, of course, as we're going to find out in a few moments, Jesus was also interested in fulfilling biblical prophecy. You know, everything about Jesus was a fulfillment of prophecy. Even when Jesus was born, everything was done so that prophecy in the Old Testament might be fulfilled. Many of you will remember, for example, that when Mary was pregnant with Jesus, Mary and Joseph were living in Nazareth, where Joseph was a carpenter. Now, if Mary and Joseph had done what was easiest, they would have stayed right there in Nazareth. You know why? Because Mary was in the final trimester of her pregnancy. Uh, She was getting really big now. In many ways, her condition was very delicate. And at this point, for Jesus, I mean, for Mary and Joseph, a trip to uh, Bethlehem on a donkey, it would prove very hazardous and very dangerous. And Mary may not live to survive it. But yet a decree is made by Caesar Augustus that all the world had to be taxed. And that meant, in Mary and Joseph's case, they had to make that long trip on the back of a donkey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. That decree sent out by Caesar Augustus was God's way of getting Mary and Joseph from where they were to where they needed to be where the Christ child needed to be born so that prophecy could be fulfilled. And even here, as Jesus is about to make his triumphant entry into Jerusalem, we're going to see that prophecy is about to be fulfilled. In fact, we come to uh, verse 4, and it says, All this was done, that it might be fulfilled that which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Sion, Behold, the king cometh unto thee, meek and sitteth upon an ass, and a colt the foal of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and they brought the ass and the colt, and put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strewn them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was come to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Now, this is what we know as the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And like I say, the human part of Jesus at this point had to be thoroughly terrified. The thought of dying on the cross, the, cross, the thought of being betrayed by one of his disciples, denied by another disciple, being put through a a trial that was really a travesty of justice. I heard one time uh, about a Christian lawyer, and this Christian lawyer actually came up with a lay sermon which described the trial of Jesus from from a legal perspective. And he pointed out that from a legal perspective, the trial of Jesus was totally illegal. Among other things, Jesus was tried at night. That was a violation of the law of that day. Another thing, you had witnesses that were paid to tell lies about Jesus. And that testimony was allowed to be admissible. So those are two big things right there, among other things. That made the trial of Jesus totally and completely illegal. And yet Jesus knew this was going to happen, and he knew he had to go through all of this. And he did it for you, he did it for me. You know, it's very easy to say, well, the Jews are the blame, or maybe the Roman soldiers were to blame, but no. You see, it was really us, us who were to blame. You see, your sins and my sins and the sins of everybody in the whole world. That is why Jesus Christ died on the cross. He died on the cross for our sins. And so it was really our sins that put Jesus there on the cross. Now, I want you to notice something. Here we have Jesus riding on a donkey, and he's riding in Jerusalem. And you know, from the standpoint of the folks in Jerusalem, it was like a celebrity was coming to town. One of those celebrity big shots. Have you ever seen a celebrity in person? Uh, I'm happy to say I have met a celebrity too in my lifetime. I remember while I was in college, I got to meet Ronald Reagan. I didn't want to wash my hand for a long time because I got to shake hands with Ronald Reagan and I thought about the fact here's a man who at that point was campaigning to be president and basically he was a link between all of the presidents that came before him and all of the presidents that would come after him and so I I felt honored to meet Ronald Reagan Back when I was in college, now I have to make it clear he was not president at that time, but he was campaigning for president and he won that election by the way and so that was pretty exciting. I remember uh, when I was doing radio in New Orleans and I was working at one radio station in particular in New Orleans I had the opportunity I had the opportunity of interviewing some well-known celebrities. And it made me excited to do that. Well, here Jesus comes, rolling into Jerusalem on a donkey, and he's coming in like a celebrity. And people are laying palm trees down in front of him, I should say palm leaves down in front of him, and they're shouting out, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And some of the people, some of the townsfolk there in Jerusalem, like, who, who is this? And they said, J- this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Now, you know, another thing that's interesting about Jesus making this triumphant entry into Jerusalem is the fact that many of these people who today were crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. In just a matter of days, their tune would change and they would be crying out, Crucify him! Crucify him! And they would be demanding that the Roman government put Jesus on the cross. You see, the religious leaders, they were not satisfied with simply accusing Jesus of blasphemy. The religious leaders had a court system. It was called the Sanhedrin. And they even had the power from the Roman Empire to enforce Jewish law. The thing about it is, though, the Jewish court system did not have the authority to sentence anybody to death. To do that, Jesus had to be put on trial in the Roman system. And that's what the religious leaders were insisting upon. That's why they were hollering, crucify him, crucify him. Because they knew that the Roman system of criminal justice could do something that they couldn't, and that was to crucify Jesus on the cross. But many of those that were crying out, crucify him, crucify him, these were the same people on Palm Sunday. Here they are saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. Now, you know, the sad thing is many of you, and I can too, many of you can think about people that you knew at one time who were really on fire for God. I mean, man, they were just on fire for God. But now, several years later, several decades later, here they are not doing anything for God at all. They are caught up in a backslidden life. And you could hardly tell that they were ever a Christian. And it's so sad, isn't it? It's so sad. And I'm sure that when Jesus looked out at the crowd that was crying out, crucify him, crucify him, he could recognize that some of those people in that crowd just several days earlier, were crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Now, you know, it's, it's very interesting about how the how Jesus' disciples thought about this. You see, Jesus' disciples, I think, even at this point, they didn't fully understand what Jesus was all about. They felt like Jesus was here to set up his earthly kingdom Upon this earth, they wanted to have a kingdom that would be totally free of Roman rule. And so they were looking for Jesus to become a conqueror who would set up his own kingdom, who would overthrow the Roman government. But Jesus also made it clear on other occasions he had no desire to set up an earthly kingdom. He said all along, mine is a spiritual kingdom. But Jesus was willing to undergo everything he went through that week, all because of the fact that he loved us so much, and he had this desire to cover your sins and my sins forever. And that's why when Jesus died on the cross, That's why at one point it becomes totally pitch dark. Totally pitch black. God could not look on his own son, Jesus. Because you see, Jesus was bearing your sins and my sins on the cross. Think about all the sins you've ever committed. Think about all the sins someone you know has ever committed. All of those sins were on Jesus right now on that cross. And like I say, you know, like the song says, he could have called 10,000 angels. But you know what? If Jesus had done that, if Jesus had done that, he would not be able to have died on the cross for your sins and mine. He had to do what he did For our spiritual benefit. And aren't we glad. That he did it. And so as Christians. We recognize this week. That we're in right now. It's a very significant week. It's a very special week. It's a very holy week. It was the beginning. Of a week. That would change the world. And it would ultimately. End up at the empty tomb. And boy, I tell you, as Christians, aren't we so thankful for that empty tomb? You see, I don't think I could ever preach a complete Easter message without talking something about the empty tomb. Because you see, had it not been for the empty tomb, what Jesus did on the cross wouldn't have mattered. In fact, the cross would have been the greatest of all tragedies. But because of the empty tomb, we could say that indeed and in fact, we as Christians, we don't serve a dead God. We serve and worship a risen Lord. And to prove it, we could take you to the empty tomb where Jesus was. And I want you to think about something else here too. And I know that during my series of messages this week, here at Easter time. I know that you're gonna be and I you and I are gonna be thinking about this again, but the tomb of Jesus was not open so that Jesus could get out. In fact, I believe Jesus left the tomb even before the stone was rolled away. The stone was rolled away so that you and I could could look inside that tomb and see for ourselves that the tomb is empty. And I'm told that today, those who have been to the Holy Land, and I tell you folks, I I have a great desire of my own to one day go to the Holy Land. I hope to one day go to the Holy Land. I know it will be a challenge for me because I'm physically disabled. I have to take a walker, or a cane with me everywhere I go, sometimes both. (laughs) It's hard for me to get around, but I still have a hope in my mind that one day I might go to the Holy Land and I could see that empty tomb for myself. But like I say, that tomb is empty not so that Jesus could get out. It's empty so that we could see inside and we could see for ourselves that he is not there. Amen. Well, I hope that you and your family will have a nice Easter. And like I say, uh, this is the first of at least three Easter messages that I'm going to be bringing this week. And I know this is a very trying Easter for many of us. Because of the coronavirus, uh, many churches will not be able to have public inside services. I understand some churches will be trying to have an outdoor service, uh, what they call a drive-in service. You know, some some of you are old enough to where you can remember when they used to have drive-in movies. Well, guess what? Now we have drive-in churches. And I think this is actually not a bad thing. I think that it's great to know that People can go to church in the comfort of their car and they can listen to the church service and they could do so in great safety. I think this is a marvelous thing. But I do want to share with you something else. I hope that if your church has decided to go ahead and start doing the the drive-in services, I hope that you will continue doing the online services, because right now there's many people, in fact, myself included in this, there's many people that can't get out in public right now because of health conditions and because of my age, frankly. uh, I probably won't be able to go anywhere for Easter. And the only way I could take part in an Easter service is for it to be online. That's why on my Facebook page, and and by the way, if you would like to become friends with me on Facebook, I invite you to do so. Let me know that you listen to me on Sunshine USA, and you're sending me a friend request, and I'll be happy to grant that request for you. And when you get on my Facebook page, you'll be able to see one of the things I do every week is I like to post online services from other churches. And I do this as a ministry because I know that there's a whole lot of people in this country. And even people in other countries who weren't able to go to church. And I want to do my part to help bring the church to them online. I I was telling someone just the other day, I said, you know, uh, the thing that's so interesting about Sunshine USA is the fact that I was doing online services long before it became fashionable. I started this ministry called Sunshine USA back in 2012. And this was long before the coronavirus because I had a desire to do two things. I had a desire to preach and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I had a desire to teach Christians the word of God. It it was appalling to me at that time. Back in 2012, it was appalling to me how many Christians knew so little about the Bible. And so I said, I'm going to start an internet radio ministry and I'm going to be teaching the Bible to God's people. And on the side, I also knew that there were a lot of Christians who because of their health and maybe because of their age, they weren't able to go to church anymore. And they needed a way to get quality biblical instruction, even though they were no longer able to go to church. Now, by the way, I hope, if you're a pastor listening to this broadcast, I hope that you'll be thinking about ways that your church can effectively minister to people in your congregation as well as to people in your community. Chances are you know people in your community and you almost certainly know church members who live alone. And your church would be performing a great ministry by having people in your church call these people and let them know that you love them, that you're praying for them. And you want to ask, Hey, is there anything I can do for you? Some of these people might need you to go to the grocery store to get groceries for them. They might need you to go to the drugstore store for them and pick up a prescription. They might need you to, uh, You know, maybe do laundry for them. Some people don't have a washer and dryer in their home and they're not able to go to the laundromat anymore. Maybe somebody in your church could say, you know, I know what we could do for this person. We can't do their laundry for them. We could pick up their laundry one day and maybe bring it back to them the next day. That's what I call being Jesus to someone being the church to someone. You know that that's all part of our job description as a church. To help people in a time of need. And one of the things I hope that we have learned during this coronavirus is we don't even need a building to be the church. We could do church services online, we could do church services in the parking lot. We don't necessarily need a building. In fact, recently I heard about one pastor who decided that their church was going to sell their building and just meet anywhere they could, maybe in somebody's home, maybe in a restaurant somewhere, maybe in a city park somewhere. Now, you can imagine that was an enormous cost savings to the church. Because they no longer had to make payments on a building and they no longer had to pay the cost of keeping that building up. Amen. (laughs) So can you imagine that? But we do want to pray for each other during this time of Corona crisis. Um, You know, the Bible tells us that we can mourn in the night, but joy cometh in the morning. In fact, on the other edition of Sunshine, USA, where I'm teaching through the Bible right now. Right now, we're in the 30th Psalm. And one of the things I pointed out this morning on that broadcast, I pointed out that in the 30th Psalm, we read about the fact that even though we may mourn in the night, joy cometh in the morning. Whatever kind of hard times you're going through right now, let me tell you on the authority of God's word, it's not going to last forever. The day is coming when morning will be here and joy cometh in the morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. But as we face the day ahead and the week ahead, just ask yourself this question. What can I do to brighten up somebody else's day? What can I do to help somebody that's living at home all alone and they never have anybody call them, they never have anybody visit them? How sad. You might have a loved one in the nursing home. And I know that most nursing homes right now, they're not allowing visitors. And you may not be able to see your friend or loved one in the nursing home. But you know what? You could call them on the phone. You could talk to them. I mean, surely you're not so busy during the day that you can't take 15 minutes out of your day and just talk to them a little bit on the phone. You have no idea how much that would brighten up their day. Amen. Well, uh, that's going to bring us to the end of this special broadcast of Sunshine USA. And like I say, we're going to do a couple of more special broadcasts this week as we take a look at Easter, as we take a look at what happened on that special day. (laughs) And remember, this week called Holy Week, this was the beginning of a week that changed everything for the world. Think about that. Well, right now, I want to give you my email address so that you can contact me. My email address is warrenlandis at yahoo.com. That's warrenlandis at yahoo.com. It's all one word, all lowercase, warrenlandis at yahoo.com. And you can ask me any question about the Bible you want to. Maybe you're studying right now in a book of the Bible and you can't understand what you're reading. Well, you can ask me a question and I'll do my best to give you an honest answer. Maybe you want to send me a prayer request. I'll be glad to personally pray over any prayer request that you have. It might be you you want to share a testimony about what God has done for you. I'd be glad to hear that as well. And my snail mail address, for those of you that want to send me an old-fashioned letter, my snail mail address is Warren Landis, 3001 Old Buncombe Road, apartment 8, Greenville, South Carolina, 29609. This Warren Landis, 3001 Old Buncombe Road, Apartment 8, Greenville, South Carolina, 29609. And if you want to throw in a couple of dollars to help us out with this ministry, uh, that would be greatly appreciated. Um, I've got just enough time now to say goodbye. God bless you, and guess what? I'll see you next time on Sunshine USA.